Welcome back to Ready, Set, Scale, a ScanSource podcast series focused on how to buy, sell, and use technology solutions in different markets. In today's episode, we'll speak with Chris Spotker, Head of America's Workplace Experience Strategy for WebEx Devices at Cisco Collaboration. Thank you to our healthcare vertical sponsors, Zebra, Cisco, Star, Epson, Datalogic, Hanwha, Jabra, Axis, Microsoft, Elo, Code, Spectralink, and Sato. Today's episode is sponsored by Cisco. In the past year, we've had to adapt the way we consume healthcare. The healthcare industry is evolving to support virtual visits, telehealth, and telemedicine, which create a need for new solutions to support these changes. We here at ScanSource are prepared to help you evolve with the industry to allow you to succeed as well as your customers. To discover these new opportunities in healthcare, visit www.scansource.com backslash healthcare program. Welcome, Chris. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, Lauren. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. So, Chris, I believe we have crossed paths in the past, but for all of our listeners, could you help kind of give them a little bit what your background looks like and what your current position is and what you do um, and focus on today at Cisco? Sure, yes. And uh, I'm responsible for, I'm part of our device technology group, Devices, which is uh, you know attached into our WebEx platforms as well, but typically the room video devices all the way down to the desk devices. And within that group, I'm responsible for the strategy that we have moving forward. And one of those aspects is also verticalized. So I'm on the uh, healthcare strategy team as well that actually goes across uh, multiple functions within Cisco as to, you know, how do we go to market with our healthcare offerings and what are some of the unique things that we can do with those offerings in particular. And I know today you wanted to focus specifically on the healthcare side as well. So that's, uh, that's very apt. Well, perfect. Well, yes, that is correct. So we are focusing a lot on healthcare. I think between everything that's going on in the environment today, as well as the fact that the weather has been changing like crazy over the past couple of weeks. I think all of us have our health uh, very much top of mind right now. So let me ask you then, from a healthcare perspective, what has been the most surprising change that you've seen over the last year? So I think obviously COVID's had that massive impact, which I'm assuming is exactly where you're where you're trying to angle at. But I think one of the things is that over the years we've seen sort of telehealth evolve. But there's been lots and lots of challenges on it. Uh, and a lot of it is around the complexity of reimbursements and what have you. So, you know, for example, my son, I remember in the middle of the pandemic when his doctor said, yeah, I'm not sure the insurance company will pay beyond a month's time, thinking that we're all going to flatten the curve and this was all going to be done nearly a year ago. So that was an interesting wake-up call in terms of, yes, a lot of these services that doctors are providing, they could do virtually, but uh, they don't get paid for it. So there's no incentive, obviously, if they don't get paid for it by the insurance companies, then they're not going to do it. So I think the biggest surprise has been how quickly that has turned around and how, you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic, we'd still be slowly chipping away at doing telehealth, a lot of it 
is either at the PCP level or at the level of in the clinic with maybe telehealth carts where you need scopes and everything else. But the ability just to have a consultation, you know, face-to-face over video, I think that's been the biggest surprise as to how that has accelerated massively and how it's now, quite frankly, the norm. And I, I don't see it at any time soon, if ever, going back to where it's like, okay, we're not going to cover any telehealth video consultations. We're only going to pay for if you actually turn in, in, up into the office. And obviously for certain things like examinations or what have you, yes, then you would have, want to go back and you need to go into the office. But a lot of the follow-ups, you know, often there's actually no examination involved, you know, specifically on mental health and some of those things where, you know, you don't have a physical examination. So why go in if you can do it remotely over video? Right. Now, that's a great point. And the last piece that you said is was probably one of my biggest pet peeves before the mindset has changed around telehealth was the whole, hey, come in, get your exam and then come back in so that we can talk about like the results. And usually it was like I would wait, you know, in the waiting room for 30 minutes and then I would get called back and the meeting would be for two minutes and then I'd have to pay my office visit fee. And I was like, why did I just have to do this? So so that, you know, I totally agree that um, it is interesting how a lot of the things that we thought before, why are we doing it this way now has kind of been forced to shift in in ways that we probably didn't think would happen so quickly. So kind of following up on that with 2020 causing massive disruption in the healthcare space, what emerging trends are you seeing in healthcare from the virtual care perspective? So I think it's fascinating when you look at it. And and again, if you take a pre-pandemic, during the pandemic, and you know where things are heading post-pandemic, a lot of the times before the pandemic, you had certain services, uh, you know, you probably have them at ScanSource, like we have them at Cisco that we get from our insurance company. Uh, in my case, uh, I'm with uh, Cigna, whereby you can do remote consultations over video from a PCP perspective. So, but the massive, massive difference has been is now you do it not just from a PCP perspective, but with your regular, you know, doctors or specialists or what have you, i.e. your local team. So I think one of the things that the trend that you're seeing is before the pandemic, lots of organizations, particularly in the workplace, would and insurance companies would say, well, we really want you to take those PCPs. We'll give you a lower copay or whatever if you do it over, if you do it over video. That obviously isn't good for your local healthcare provider who now is losing all of those services. So I think one of the trends that you've seen as well is some hospital providers have also outsourced or also outsourced some of those services. And, you know, we all know the big companies that are out there that provide those outsourced services. I think you're seeing a trend now where they're asking themselves, well, hang on a minute, why am I outsourcing that and losing that patient to a third party care provider? Why can't I use my own doctors, my own nurses, my own physicians in order to be able to deliver those services? And typically the reasons were, A, they didn't have the technology set up to be able to do that. They didn't have the platform to be able to do that and to scale that effectively and efficiently. And I think what you're seeing now is a trend where providers are saying, I want to care for that patient from the home, from when they're in the clinic to when they're in the hospital and back again. If I have points where I don't touch them, I can lose them. So how do I, now that I've been able to deliver services into their homes, for example, 
the other thing that's really changed here is from a, a trend from a security aspect. So it's very clear at the start, you saw the same thing in education. You saw exactly the same thing in education where it was like, oh, we've just got to do video no matter what. What can we find out there immediately now that's readily available, that might be free or cheap, and let's get that going. And security was then a second thought. And I know there's a lot of uh, providers had waivers uh, on that as well. But, you know, I'm amazed I'm in some uh, calls on platforms that I won't mention where, you know, I have to put in my name and the doctor's name is on there as well. And so it's like, okay, so now the service provider knows patient and doctor information, and that should be a huge no-no. should not know my name or anything like that. So I think that's another trend that you're seeing now is, is that forgiveness is going to get less and less. So you're going to have a more focus on how do I make sure the interactions are, are secure, the patient information, the data is secure. You know, a lot of things that can be recorded, which we could talk about as well, that can be transcribed automatically as well. How, how are those secure? A lot of language translations that we've now got built into Cisco WebEx, whereby, you know, we can have this conversation in, in uh, English if you prefer Spanish, you just turn that on and you'll see Spanish go across the bottom. Again, you know, you can't provide that, outsource that to a third-party provider when it's a medical interaction. So all those things start to really play into trends as well, into you know, automation and security. Well, and it sounds like what you just described too, not only is focused more on the secure piece, but it provides more comfort to the patient and the user to be able to trust the technology to still, you know, keep their information private. Because I know that's a big security concern, especially for even my parents or my grandparents to where even using a credit card sometimes can seem scary to give their information. So especially when it comes to telehealth, um, it sounds like the comfort and making sure that it's user friendly for the customer is, is a big piece of the consideration in the technology as well. So We've talked some about, um, obviously, the telehealth side, but you did mention the kind of inclusive cycle from the first consultation to um, the doctor's visit to potentially the hospital. So what about care from an on-premise uh, standpoint? So, for example, if somebody has to go to the hospital, how has healthcare kind of changed on that side probably not as much as the, the telehealth piece, but how has that really still changed over the past year? And what are technologies that still need to be considered in those environments? It's interesting because I think on-prem, you're going to see things sort of change a little bit as well. If you if you think about normally when you go and visit a hospital, you know, you think of all the human touch points that you have, and those don't need to be human touch points. So I could put a, you know, for example, a, a Cisco WebEx Desk Pro like I'm in front of now, I can put that on the front desk and you can check in through that. Either you, know, you can do it through voice, you can do it completely virtually, you can do it through a QR code and all those sort of things. So now you're going to get to a stage where on-prem, you'll notice as well, even now, if you have gone on-prem, you know, suddenly, here we are a year later, suddenly you don't have to sign paperwork anymore. It's just, you know, they just accept the information across and what have you, you give a verbal and that's, you know, that's good enough. So I think you're going to see a lot of things where previously you'd had to fill out forms. That's going to get a lot smarter from an identity perspective as well, that it's like, yes, we know it's you and you can authorize that and leverage potentially 
some of the same you know technologies and some of the same uh, video systems uh, Cisco video systems that can input that information and then say yeah you agree to this and use your verbal just like you do today now so you know they're going to want to have less touching and less signing and sharing of pens so you mentioned a little bit about this previously but I thought maybe it would help to do a recap for our listeners so what are some of the benefits of artificial intelligence or voice commands that these technologies have that our healthcare providers should be thinking about? So it's a rapidly evolving field as well on that side. So we're yeah, pretty much at the forefront of that. Some of these things have already been put into place into like an enterprise environment. Obviously, on the healthcare side, you can use the same technologies, but you have to secure them uh, in a typically in a slightly in a slightly different way. But the AI comes into it in a number of different ways. So, and I'll give you some specific uh, specific examples. So today, if we're in a regular WebEx meeting, I can turn on you know WebEx uh, assistant as we call it. That's our our voice assistant, and I can use it to not only do commands in terms of with the system itself, but it can also transcribe the whole call that's going on, and it can do that in real time. But more importantly, it can set up actions, highlights, uh, and follow-ups, and all those sort of things. So in other words, is even just using it out of the box, if I was to turn it on now, and I was to say, hey, you know, we want to take an action that you're going to increase your medicines by 100 milligrams, then that can that's separated straight away. So now I have the ability to look at that and automate that potentially into my uh, electronic health record, but I can also quickly preview as to, okay, I've the whole, the whole call is transcribed, saving me having to type it in. Here are the actions that I've taken out of that. Do they match up with, 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 um, uh, with what I want to happen as well. So now you're getting into the ability to review something before it goes into the HR. So that's one aspect, uh, direction that we're going into from, from that perspective. Where that will eventually lead on to is then sentiment as well. So with our you know, devices, uh, you, know, you, can, you can count people, for example, if they're there or not, which when you're at home, it's not so much of a value because you know somebody's going to be there. But eventually you're going to get to the AI where it looks at sentiment as well. Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you anxious? You know, those sort of things. That's a little ways further out from that perspective. But you also have the the notion that you already have today when you come into, I think one of the aspects and one of the trends that you're seeing as well that we discussed right at the start is how does a provider save time on tasks that could be automated? So, for example, you know, we, we are all familiar with call centers where you call in, let's say you want to change your your airline ticket or whatever, you go through these voice prompts and they can do quite a lot. You might get to the end where you say, hey, I've got something complex, so I need to speak to to an agent. But typically, there's a lot of stuff that can be done there. Think of the same equivalency, but on the healthcare side. I can do that same Q&A. I can come in through any mode. Uh, We just, uh, last week, complete an acquisition of IMI Mobile, which is basically a front end into a contact center. And now you can enter that contact center through whatever platform you want, text, you know, uh, WhatsApp, social media, you name it, whatever, however you want to enter that, you could enter it in, in, in that way. It can do a lot of a lot of automation at the front end. So think about from an AI perspective is you get a lot of questions and answers at the front end and then make a decision, okay, now I'll connect you through to the appropriate medical provider. So that AI is going to figure out if you're coming in 
if you're coming in cold, is going to figure out where do I need to place you? What service are you actually looking for? Let me go and figure that out and place you through to the right service. If you have that then connected into a Cisco smart contact center, then now you stand a better chance of that trend that we talked about earlier on of a provider saying, can I now use my own people if I can now have, if I have, you know, a, a thousand plus doctors or whatever as part of my organization, you know, there's always going to be, how do I leverage that time more? They're all not always going to be 100% uh, busy. So how can I leverage those where they say, okay, now I'm going to, ha I now have some time where I'm not physically in front of the patients where I could take calls. So that's another way of then doing that smartly so that they can be as productive and effective as well. And again, you're going to get that AI that's going to tee that up and give them all of the information up front so that when they, when the patient actually connects, they will already have that information. So they don't have to ask the same questions over and over again. And think about it a little bit as to when you go, let's say you go into your into your uh, primary care provider, you know, think about the sequence that you walk in and the touches. You, you walk in, you go to the front desk and you check in. Typically, that means then you give your insurance card, you answer a few questions, you might fill out some paperwork, but you do all of that. Then you go and sit down and then nine out of 10 times, the nurse will call you in. The nurse will then ask a bunch of uh, questions as well, will typically sit there on, on his or her laptop and type that information in. And then he or she disappears, and then the doctor comes in. So you right. might be there for an hour, but you might only see the doctor for five or 10 minutes, but you will have had multiple human touches. So that pre-triage could be automated so that the doctor is then just focused on the, the, the high-value time. And then if you automate on the back end, taking the information, transcribing it, putting it back into EHR, you know, now, you, now you're starting to save time because I think I – think yeah, you know, again, you can pick your survey, but most of them sort of say for every hour of patient time, a healthcare professional spends one to two hours of admin time typing that into EHR and what have you in that. So you know, if you can reduce that one to two hours to 20 minutes or half an hour of reviewing that's the right information going on and making some adjustments, voices isn't perfect. So, you know, with people having accents, no one was going to be 100% perfect. So you'd want to review it. But if I can go from two hours down to 20 minutes, that's a lot of extra patient time that I can then create. And then obviously, at the same time, a lot of extra incremental revenue for the providers as well, who are all hurting because they're not doing the things that make them money, which is your regular day-to-day -day, uh, operations. Those is where that's where they make their money. And those have been drastically reduced. Likewise, at the clinics, you've seen that the clinics, you know, they only get paid when you walk through the front door. So they are massively hurting. We, I've got um, uh, actually one of our, uh, my daughter is looking to become a physician's assistant. So she is uh, shadowing or planning to shadow uh, one of the PAs that she knows who splits her work between ER and a local clinic. And she goes, I don't go to the clinic anymore because nobody's there. Nobody's walking through the front door. So I think that also opens up opportunities for other services like healthcare or like mental health, opioid, those types of things that a clinic would typically not think of, where you may want to be in a private environment, not at home. I may not want to discuss my uh, opioid or my mental health. I may not want to discuss that at home where I could have the rest of the family uh, sitting at home as well. So again, there's opportunities for clinics to then look at new services that they hadn't thought of, that again, they can leverage the privacy aspect and then the guaranteed quality aspect as well when you have a Cisco device in there so you can get that across the couch type of experience that you can't guarantee when somebody's at home. 
Sure. No, that's great. And thank you. That I think is super helpful information to put things in perspective. It's almost in a way with some of this technology that's out there, it's a a means of outsourcing without outsourcing anything because you're just utilizing technology in a, a way that allows you to save the time and to save the staff and, and all of that, but you're not paying for somebody else to do it. You're utilizing the technology. So that's that's great. So totally random question, but over the past couple podcasts, we have talked some about um, changes in retail and grocery. And so as we're talking about healthcare, it makes me think about even the pharmacies within our kind of like grocery and retail space. And so with the pharmacies, is that something that comes along with the decision of the like retailer or the grocery chain? Or is that kind of a a separate healthcare initiative that partners up with that retailer or grocery chain? I think from that perspective, what you're going to see is look at the trends on the pharmacy side. So your insurance company is constantly pestering you saying, please get this by mail. Please do not go and walk into your local pharmacy. They're constantly driving that. It's like, hey, and I think you've seen a massive, massive increase in that from a, you know, from the pandemic perspective where people don't want to go to a pharmacy or what have you. That is pretty impactful on the pharmacies because if you get it by mail, you may not be going down to your local Walgreens anymore because you're now getting it from a, uh, you know, you're now getting it by mail from another company. So what's the piece that's missing then? The piece that's missing is the human interaction that you get in the pharmacy whereby they can talk to you or if you have questions, you ask them there and, you know, you ask them there and then. So it's that personal touch that a pharmacy can deliver, I think, is the piece that's missing. I think what you'll see is those two sort of combine. I think it'll be an outright sprint as to whether the pharmacies will be able to adapt their models quick enough where they say, hey, we're going to provide a virtual, so you can get it by mail, but you have your pharmacist by video directly there as well, so that when you get it by mail, you're still going to be able to ask the same questions that you would do locally. I think you're going to see a lot of the brick and mortar ones be behind on that. And you're going to see the ones that do things by mail and have already set that up, try and accelerate on that because they don't have the brick and mortar uh, to be able to sort of uh, shackle them. But I think you're definitely going to see a combo that then opens it up as well into exactly like you're seeing today with, you know, um, I can give two, two examples that are equivalent to that. One is Whole Foods. So now when we return certain Amazon things, we take them back to Whole Foods. We, we go back to the grocery store to return our clothes that we, got through, that we got through the mail delivered by Amazon. I remember last year, I in the good old days, when we were still, it must have been the year before, when we were still traveling, I got a new suitcase and when it arrived, it was crushed. I mean, it was clearly damaged. Something badly happened to it. So I went to return it back on Amazon, and Amazon said, you can pay for this or you can drop it off for free at the local Coles. So I went to Coles and dropped it off for free. I then got a $25 uh, voucher to use inside of Coles, and I went down the aisle and I bought a pair of shoes. <laughs> but I 
was actually returning. So I think you're <laughs> gonna I think you're gonna see that same aspect to your point about groceries. I think you're gonna see you obviously yeah. see pharmacies coming into grocery stores already, but now it opens up the ability for a Whole Foods, for example, who doesn't have a grocery store to say, I can now deliver pharmacy services where you can pick up your drugs or whatever here if you don't want them to be sent through the mail or what have you, but you can also then have a video interaction that we're going to supply on top of that. Okay. Well, great. Thank you. I appreciate that. I don't know why, but as you were speaking, all I could think about was, well, what does this mean for the pharmacies too? So, so that puts it in perspective that there's still a lot of opportunity there. It's just, you know, whether or not they're, they get on board quick enough to keep up with all of the changes. So, well, with that, Chris, you know, I'll just ask you, what are some parting thoughts that you have for our listeners today? And, you know, what can they continue to get excited about and think about when it comes to Cisco and healthcare? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, first of all, from just a, uh, from a partner perspective, the, the value add of providers, and you just talked about pharmacies as well, of wanting to bring these services in-house is absolutely massive in terms of, because when it's in-house and not outsourced, it has to be built in-house. Those services have to be uh, built in, in uh, inside of the uh, environment, whether it be cloud or not, uh, they still have to be built. So that offers up wonderful opportunities from an integration perspective in integrating that into the existing uh, healthcare provider systems, typically the EHRs that are there, but also to be able to enhance the, you know, enhance the experiences. So you can't always control, you know, there's, when you look at evolutions, you know, you go from product and then the evolution was, oh, it's, it's, it's services. Now you've gone from services and the next evolution is, oh, it's going to be about the experience. And that's going to be the next thing. So at one stage, we were all, you know, it's all like, wow, we can do this on video. Great. But then the next stage is it better be a really good experience on video as well, because if it's all choppy yeah. and it breaks up and you can't hear the audio and you can't see the person properly and what have you, then that's the next thing. And I think what you've seen is the beginning. You've seen desperation. Connect me any which way, how. And I've seen it. And again, we've all seen it. When you first connected to your doctors, many of them, and still today, are huddled up over a laptop. And you can tell that because you've got the nice view up their noses as you're talking to them. But then I've also seen ones where they suddenly, now they doesn't, they've gone from a single screen laptop to maybe having a device and their laptop separately. So when they're typing into the EHR, they're actually moving their face and turning away from you to type in that instead of looking at you in the deer in the headlights because they're clearly entering information because they only have one screen. So you're going to see that experience sort of evolve and and get better. And that's a great opportunity for the partners to really drive that, specifically with things like Cisco devices, where you're going to enhance that interaction because that will be the next differentiator. It will be then who's going to deliver me the, the best experience. In particular, when you get to things like mental health and opioid addiction and those sort of things, I can't be on a poor connection having a bad technology experience because otherwise it's not going to be effective. So the more that the patient feels that they're actually, you know, that they're, the more they can focus on the interaction, the better the outcomes will be and the more that that will be recognized. And the key thing I think for partners is to drive that line is if you're just selling the technology, good luck. The, your competitor will then go in there and will sell based on experience of that, not just on technology. So if your goal is, I'm just going to deliver video conferencing, then good luck because that's not going to help you drive an experience and you'll find people just are going to come steaming past you as they position an experience as opposed to a technology. 
Well, that is great advice. So thank you, Chris, so much for joining us today on Ready, Set, Scale and for sharing your thoughts on how healthcare vertical is changing, what trends they can expect to see in the future, and just some overall thoughts from one of our industry experts. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. And now, a message from our sponsors. Thank you to our Healthcare Vertical sponsors, Zebra, Cisco, Star, Epson, Datalogic, Hanwha, Jabra, Axis, Microsoft, Elo, Code, Spectralink, and Sato. Today's episode is sponsored by Cisco. In the past year, we've had to adapt the way we consume healthcare. The healthcare industry is evolving to support virtual visits, telehealth, and telemedicine, which create a need for new solutions to support these changes. We here at ScanSource are prepared to help you evolve with the industry to allow you to succeed as well as your customers. To discover these new opportunities in healthcare, visit www.scansource.com backslash healthcare program. I really hope you enjoyed spending time with us today. Be sure to join us again for our next episode of Ready, Set, Scale. And in the meantime, let us know if you have any questions or any suggestions for future podcast topics by going to scansource.com backslash RSS question. I'd love to hear from you. 